Salutations, my friends, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host, Noise Era, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer, and I have titled this episode, Unrest or Else, COVID Report, and Dividing the Wealth. We're essentially talking about how COVID-19 has turned us all into minorities and how they are conducting reports on every single one of us. Outside of that, we talk about Representative Ayanna Presley calling for more civil unrest until the demands are met. And after that, we talk about how since COVID-19, the tech billionaires have amassed an incalculable amount of wealth and how we are living underneath a completely whole new regime. That's right. An information-packed episode has been lined up for you guys. The minicast we did earlier this week, The Anti-Human Mind, has been uploaded to our feed, as well as a special documentary, a special band documentary, which we go over in this episode, Shadowgate. You can find that and the minicast we did earlier this week in the description bar below. And with that being said... Let's start the show. Salutations, my friends. And thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host. Noise Era, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer, and this is show number 1028, season 10, episode 28. We are still here before you, by golly, coronavirus free, but the drama, ah, that kind of comes everywhere we go. <laughs> you know, I, um, I didn't go for a hike this morning. I didn't go for a hike, I didn't go work out, I didn't go flailing mud and, you know, run up a mountain and chuck steel. It was kind of weird. I um, I had to handle some business here in my local community, uh, basically a follow-up from the protest that we did last year. And it was just interesting because I was already doing business before, I was doing business before uh, the interview, and then once I got done doing the interview, here I am recording and doing the podcasting stuff, and then once I get done podcasting, I've got more business to, to attend to, and I've also got a meeting Friday morning. And so it's just crazy being thrusted into things, but not having an appropriate outlet to kind of get my day together. Now, heck yeah, you know, I could have woke up, I could have woke up a little bit earlier and gone out for a hike and did all that. But I think what I'm trying to say is you've got to look at what is on your plate, what God bestows upon you and what you're allowed to do. For you're allowed to do what you can do, what you choose to do, and so much more. You know, we are a generation that is not afforded the luxury of laziness. We are not. There's way too much work to be done. And it's very easy for everybody to get caught up on all the minutia, the devil in the details, the things that seem like they're important, but ultimately don't, that, aren't, that, 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 that do not matter, right? 
We are a generation that is not afforded the luxury of laziness. And the work that we have to do is going to cost both blood, sweat, and tears. So you've got to ask yourself, do you have skin in the game? What are you willing to give up to get what you want? You don't get progress. You, you, you got progress or comfort, okay? You only got one or <laughs> one of the either, one or the other. Which one is it? What is your skin in the game? What are you fighting for? Do we even know? You know, it, it, it's crazy because I was having that conversation with the reporter. And I guess because I'm so used to not necessarily this echo chamber that we've created, but this community of people and this network that we're involved in, I'm used to having these type of discussions in like a conversational manner uh, so much that whenever somebody else not in the conversational circle comes in, I have to explain these things, and it's kind of strange because I don't think I represent these values. I don't think I represent these things, or I don't think I exemplify any of these traits or characteristics until you get an outside perspective. But again, I'm not one for labels. I'm not one for groups or any of that type of stuff like that. I think what I'm trying to say is, again, what skin do you have in the game? If we're talking about the healing and restoration, not only of the country, the times, or the future, and more, what skin do you have? What have you given up to get that desired outcome? Very few people understand that. Now, I think that's why the older I get, I begin to respect uh, people that do go overseas, even more so, uh, and fight these wars, man, and come back home having to readjust because they went home, they went, they went across these, they did their dirt, they came back home, and they're having to readjust. And it's hard to readjust right now. All this politically chaos, all this political nonsense, this, this polarization, this divisive talk, it's very hard for people to understand what is it that we are fighting for. We closed out last week's episode telling you that you're fighting for your family. You can fight for country, you can fight for God, but ultimately you're fighting for your your family. You're fighting for your future. I want to read you guys something real quick that I wrote. Unfortunately, it's not a prayer. It's a little speech blurba on what I think decadence is. I didn't finish it, but it's going to have to do. <laughs> you guys are going to laugh. Uh, I said, uh, what is decadence? Let me look this up right now. Let me see if I could look it up. Uh... Live time. This is on on the uh, the the what is this Microsoft Office? Yeah, Microsoft Office. Come on, explore it, define it for me. If it doesn't, we might just have to continue on. Um, longest intro ever, right? Anyway, what is decadence? I said Webster's Dictionary would define it as quote. And I didn't put what the de Webster's definition is. I just continued on. I said, I describe it as a state of being, just as euphoria and serenity are. Today's modern form of decadence blossoms from boredom and immorality. We often cater to delusions because of the harshness of reality not being real enough. Delusions offer us the sense of mysticism, which our seemingly boring lives don't offer. You see, in today's society of instant gratification, materialism, overnight shipping, and a constant cycle of stimuli, stillness has become a borderline virtue. Yes, a virtue not favored among the masses as they become increasingly absorbed by the, quote, 
monotony of life. With even the heavens being clocked, monitored, and almost manipulated, what is there left to explore? All sense of wonder has been robbed due to our craving of the boring monotony, for it is in the wonder that we realize the beauty of reality. We have effectively dulled our own realities, unknowingly swayed by our lesser tendencies. So, when we look at what decadence is, we have to ask ourselves where it stems from and why it is even being discussed, what the context of decadence is. I said, we're bored. We're so bored and dependent that the only thing we can do to fight the tide of stillness is to destroy ourselves. Whenever control, manipulation, and coercion become the order of the day, death and destruction surely are soon to follow. Decadence is the epitome of such destruction because it isn't deliberate so much as it is accepted as a way of life. We have chosen to be decadent. And in doing so, we have chosen all that comes with that path. Delusional thinking, physical laziness, spiritual atrophy, planned obsolescence. All of these would properly describe the variable forms of decadence ranging from the physical to the mental and the spiritual. And with that being said, let's start the show. <laughs> Speaking of decadence, you know, last week we played for you uh, a clip of Joe Biden laughing at somebody uh, challenging his mental capabilities. <laughs> and well, this week, you've got somebody from uh, Obama's White House saying that something is not right about Biden, that he's just lost. Uh, this is written by Sophie Mann over there at Just the News. They put this up August 18th. It says, Dr. Ronnie Jackson, the former White House physician to President Obama's and Trump, is speaking out about his impression of Joe Biden's physical and mental fitness for office. Quote, the best way I can describe every time I see him is that he is just lost. <laughs> Jackson said, quote, I won't make any particular diagnosis about dementia, but what I will say is that something is not right, continued the doctor who just won a GOP congressional primary in Texas, asked whether he's comfortable with the idea of Biden assuming the top executive position in the country. Jackson said, quote, I'm not. Jackson stresses that he hasn't personally reviewed Biden's medical records, but he has witnessed the changes to the former vice president up close over time. I, quote, I saw him frequently around the West Wing and other places like that. I know he's always been prone to gaffes, but these aren't gaffes anymore. He can't form sentences. Sometimes he can't complete a thought. <laughs> and I shouldn't laugh because, you know, he, this is dementia. We're watching this man lose his mind. Uh, and it's actually very sad. I shouldn't laugh. But continuing on, he said, whose full comments, Jackson, Dr. Jackson's full comments are available on Dr. Or on Donald Trump's Jr.'s upcoming book, quote, Liberal Privilege, Joe Biden and the Democrats, Defense of the Indefensible. In December, Biden's doctors released a statement saying the 77-year-old is in good health. However, the subject of the former vice president's mental fitness was a topic of discussion throughout the primary campaign and the during the past few months which Biden has largely spent at his home in Delaware, away from the grueling campaign schedule that a pre-pandemic election would have, had, would have demanded from him. Constant verbal missteps and slurred speech have left spectators wondering if the former vice president is in decline. Quote, 
his cognitive decline has got to a point where I'm not comfortable as a citizen of this country <laughs> having him as my commander in chief. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh because this is actually, it's a problem. And when we're talking about decadence, when we're talking about delusional thinking, when we're talking about dementia, when we're talking about uh, Joe Mincha, <laughs> Joe Biden dementia, what we're really talking about is, again, that breaking down of the mind, that breaking down of the soul, that breaking down of the individual. And the fact that they want to exalt this individual up, Joe Biden, as if he is the as if he is the pinnacle. That's even more dangerous because they're entertaining delusional thinking. Now, I won't sit up over here and talk about God Emperor Trump and praise him as if he's the second, the second coming, right? I won't do that. Never have. But I also won't sit up over here and act like Joe Biden's not losing his mind and falling over, uh, falling over himself and putting his foot in his mouth every time he speaks. The problem is, is they want us to not believe with what we're seeing, not trust our very own eyes. They want us to engage in the further delusional thinking but that's a different discussion for a different day uh, continuing on speaking of a biden administration something very strange popped up last week we didn't have time to talk about it but hillary clinton came out recently and talked about how she's wanted to serve in the biden administration now why is this interesting because we're not talking about just biden he's already talked about stepping down clearly Cognitive decline and mental fitness. They'll declare him 25th Amendment and say that this man can't, this man can't lead. Look at him. And who will that lead? Well, who will that leave? Kamala Harris and whoever else she appoints to her cabinets right here. Hillary Clinton says she is ready to serve in a Biden administration. This is written by Nima Harris. They put this up August 14th over there in News Punch. It says Hillary Clinton has said if she is asked to serve in the potential Biden administration, that she's ready to fix the U.S. Clinton, the twice-failed presidential candidate, made her remarks while speaking during the 19th represent summit, rep, Represents Summit on Thursday. Quote, I'm ready to help in any way I can because I think this will all be a moment where every American, I don't care what party you are, I don't care what age, race, gender, I don't care, every American should want to fix our country, she added. Or she said, adding that, quote, so if you're asked to serve, you should certainly consider that. Mail Online reports Clinton served alongside Joe Biden during Barack Obama's administration as the Secretary of State. Her tenure was highly criticized by Republicans who questioned her handling of the 2012 Benghazi terrorist attack and the controversy of, over her private email server. What's actually interesting about that is she'll be testifying on September 9th, the very day that Netflix has decided to debut their new uh, child pornography TV show, Cuties. So I call it child pornography, but it's just little children basically dancing in skimpy outfits, twerking. It's, 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 it's pedophilia. So while she's testifying about the 2012 Benghazi incidents, what's going on in her private server, Netflix decided to just like nerf that entire population of people and just turn them into perverts. Continuing on, it says after Biden announced that he had selected California Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate for the November election, Clinton praised his actions in a, in, a, in a tweet, saying that I am thrilled to welcome Kamala Harris to a historic Democratic ticket, Clinton tweeted Tuesday. She's already proven herself to be an incredible public servant and a leader, and I know she'll be a strong partner to Joe Biden. Please join me in having her back and getting her elected. Now, I'm going to go ahead and stop there. 
not only because you have Hillary Clinton praising another uh, another enslaver of black people, <laughs> but also because I want to point out the fact that even though we are in these charged and chaotic times, you know, the, the same way that we have to show credit, man, that Barack Obama was the first black president, even though he's got all the controversies surrounding him. As an individual, I think that's a good thing. Representation matters. Yes, it's Kamala Harris. Yes, I called her a drunk in the previous episode, but she is still a woman and a woman of color, and this will still inspire people who are in these positions to hopefully come out and fight for fight for what they believe in. Uh, now, I didn't take the time to get this clip together, but there was a lady that came out, I think, for Boston or Baltimore underneath like the Republican ticket, and she's trying to basically rival Michelle Obama, and she's doing that. And I say that's important because representation matters. We need to see this out there. Sad truth is, and I'll play this quick clip for you guys. Sad truth is some of the women in this country are doing more than the men because the men are over here getting caught up in the nonsense being triggered by our sense of, uh, by our, 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 not our mas- not our masculinity or our lack thereof, but that vacuum. And so women are having to step up and get into this, get into this position to do these types of things. Um, But here, let me play for you guys this quick clip of Millie Weaver being arrested uh, after doing a whole documentary exposing internet, uh, interactive internet activities, uh, censorship, all this other stuff that's going on, the NSA, uh, shadowy organizations manipulating social media, social engineering, all this other stuff, putting together a fantastic documentary, which you guys can find in our, our feed, I'll put it there. It's already uploaded. If you haven't listened to it, you're definitely missing out. She does this fantastic review over it and gets arrested the day beforehand. So where are we seeing this type of behavior? Where are we seeing this type of uh, this type of activism? You see. Let me pull this up for you right here. It says, InfoWars is Millie Weaver mysteriously arrested just after releasing the Shadowgate documentary on the deep state. Here's the clip. 221's out here. We have room to transport one. Can you send us a car, please? 9107 Yale Road. Okay. I will give you all your paperwork when we get to the jail right now. I need you to get some shoes. Okay. Because we need to get them. Okay. We need to get this thing care Well, listen, you're not getting She's got her baby in her hands. Guys, I don't know what's happening right now. Okay, the police have just showed up at my house, and they said that they're arresting me. They said that a grand died. They indicted me for something. I have no idea what. This is crazy. Where's my shoe? I have one shoe here. Okay. One shoe there. A mother. Okay. So we're good. A, a mother so, arrested in front of her children. Why wasn't I given anything in the mail? Like, I have no idea what this is talking about. It says that the the documentary chronicles the deep state operatives in the Obama Gate coup attempted or attempt perpetrated against uh, President Donald Trump. 
According to reports, Reaver was arrested after a grand jury passed a secret indictment charging her with robbery and domestic violence. Millie uploaded a video of her arrest in her home, which you guys just saw right there. It says, per Cleveland.com, Portage County Jail staff on Saturday confirmed that Millicent Millie Weaver, 29, is being held on charges of robbery, tampering with evidence, obstructing justice, and domestic violence. Her boyfriend, 45, Gavin Wentz, is also being held on the same charges. Both are being held until a Monday morning arraignment hearing where a common pleas court judge will set bond. Weaver's employer, InfoWars, has put out an official statement saying that they are waiting to hear more from Weaver and the authorities, both. And what's uh, actually interesting is whenever this happened, CPS came and took her kids. Like, she went to jail. CPS took her kids. This Monday, she had, like, a hearing. She got her kids back, thank God. And we're still trying to figure out what's going on. So this is what's going on. This is, this is the civil unrest. You know, this is where they're upping up the ante. And there's a lot of strange stuff that, that, that went on during that time frame as well. Uh, but to get back to the topic at hand, get back to what's going on, the unrest or else, what's happening in the background of things, uh, why we see this kind of ratcheting up of, 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 of political activity, why we see this ratcheting up of events, uh, while we're, again, seeing over 90 days worth of protests now, right? Exoduses from cities all over the place. What's happening in the peri- in the peripheral? Um, this is all just so crazy. But to get back to point, right here, Hillary Clinton, who can't shut up about 2016, claims that Trump won't go silently if he loses. This is another one that comes from News Punch. It's by Bastard Dimitri. They put this up August 17th. And it goes on to talk about how civil unrest is going to occur on either side. And we've talked about this on this show a number of times. If Donald Trump wins the election, the left is going to be upset. If Joe Biden wins the election, the right's going to be upset. There is so much pointing towards this historic and chaotic moment. It's going to be crazy. We're going to see civil unrest. Uh, let's get into this article. It says twice failed presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, who spent the last three and a half years blaming everybody but herself for their, her 2016 loss, sent irony meters through the roof this week when she warned President Trump, quote, won't go silently if he loses the November election. Quote, I don't want to scare people, but I want you to be prepared. I have every reason to believe that Trump is not going to go, you know, silently into the night if he loses. He's going to try to confuse us. He's going to try to bring all kinds of lawsuits. He's got his crony Attorney General William Barr ready to do whatever is necessary, Clinton said. Hillary has blamed a series of factors for her 2016 loss, including the FBI, Facebook, Google, Russia, Putin, white suburban housewives, Julian Julian Assange, Bernie Sanders, James Comey, sexism, Barack Obama, the media, white resentment, among many, many, many more excuses. In other news, (laughs) Hillary Clinton has said if she is asked to serve in the potential Biden administration that she is, quote, ready to help fix the U.S. So there you have it. While you have Millie Weaver being over here arrested talking about how the deep state and other uh, shadowy organizations are working to manipulate the public opinion and getting arrested for trying to raise raise the alarm, you have Hillary Clinton, who hasn't gone away since Donald Trump's entire presidency, still talking about doing her part. What's very interesting to see, and I won't lie to you, gang, what's very interesting to see is this talk of a, sh- not, not, not of a separate election, but of like a like it's like they're going to have two separate candidacies. Like it's like, we're going to have our election with Donald Trump, but they're going to declare Joe Biden as the winner. 
and you already hear them saying, not my president, he's not my president, and then they're going to go with Joe Biden, well, you can't have that. You can't have two presidents. You can't have two competing like governments. And we talked about that just the other week uh, with interstate uh, interstate compacts, you know, secession and different groups. It's so It is so crazy to just see this casually being discussed uh, in a conversational way. The fact that our country is gradually heading towards this civil war, this modern civil war period, uh, and it's all being manipulated by the media. And because we're so far down, uh, the rat, not necessarily the rat hole, but we're so far down like the path of conversation that the road to redemption is going to be so hard. And so to a degree, that's kind of why I feel like some of this has to take place it's gotta, it's 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 gotta hit its destination. It's gotta, unlo- it's gotta explode, because there's not much more that we can do for it. Uh, which leads me to my next article and post, which comes from uh, Representative uh, Representative Ayanna Re- Presley demanding unrest in the streets continue until the far left goals are met. Uh, this comes from News Punch. They put this up August seventeenth. It's by Baxter Dimitri. It says while American cities continue to be ravaged, burned, and looted by far left activists. Representative Ayanna Presley has called for a has issued a call for the quote unrest in the streets to continue for as long as it takes the far left to get its way quote there needs to be unrest in our streets for as long as there is unrest in our lives said radical Democrat and squad member Ayanna Presley on MSNBC's AM Joy uh, who added quote there's plenty to go around I'm looking to the public. You know, this is as much about public outcry and organizing and mobilizing and applying pressure so that this GOP-led Senate and that these governors that continue to carry water for this administration, putting the American people in harm's way, um, turning a deaf ear to the needs of our families and our communities, hold them accountable. Well, make the phone call, send the email, show up. You know, there needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. And unfortunately, there's plenty to go around. I'm looking to the public. There is. There is. Quote, this is as much a public outcry as or- and organizing and mobilizing and applying pressure so that this GOP-led Senate and the governors who continue to carry water for this administration, putting American people in harm's way, turning a deaf ear to the needs of the community and our family, hold them accountable. Hold them accountable. But she she said applying pressure, right? Here's the thing. We're, we're, we're past that point. We've applied so much pressure, it's becoming lawless out, lawless out there. There are more talks in these circles of surrounding the White House with millions of people declaring to get Trump out. Is that why they put up the barricade around the White House? Is that why Trump activated like that separate group of Marines to help protect the White House? Is that why Secret Service is working overtime? Look at what's going on in our country right now. This is what we talked about just last week. The polarization days. The 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 disorienting confusion and chaotic state that we found ourselves in trying to make sense of all this stuff that's going on. We have no idea why we're asking for half the things that we're asking. We only want it because it's being told because we're being told isn't this what you want? No one's saying do these things. And if anything, the ones that are are gaslighting this type of behavior. And that's what's so dangerous about all this. But here, speaking of dangerous, let me pull up for you something that happened over the weekend. Something that Representative Ayanna Presley probably would commend. It's sensitive content. You could thank Instagram for censoring it. 
but it says Portland rioters viciously beat man unconscious after he crashes his truck. Let's listen. Black Lives Matter supporters in Portland beat a man who had just crashed his truck unconscious with a vicious blow to the head last night after the man trying to protect someone who was being robbed. The first clip shows the man's wife being assaulted before he drives away with BLM agitators attacking his vehicle. In his panic to get away, the man crashed his truck, something that the riders found funny as they continued to pursue him. The man is then surrounded by the mob, assaulted, and then made to sit on the floor. He even asks permission to take a phone call from his wife. One of the rioters then subsequently runs up and kicks the man in the head, immediately knocking him out. One rioter yelled at the man, Get your, your, your beep beep up, even as he lays unconscious, bleeding from his head. This is written by Paul Joseph Watson over there at Summit.News. They put this up August 17th. And so are you getting the trend? Un, unrest or else? But you see, that's the crazy thing about all of this. You can't just have this type of chaos, this type of lawlessness, this type of, what does she say, this type of pressure without there being some type of backlash. Sad part is you have to understand how this is a very, very sophisticated, uh, a very, very sophisticated agenda. And this is what I've been worrying about throughout the entirety of this whole pandemic they were going to let all these protests and things take place. They were going to let all this chaos go down because they're just going to sit there and disappear people over time. Yeah, green light the chaos, green light all the, 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 the instability, the destabilization, so that you can only embolden the police state. What do I mean? I mean this right here. Chicago Police Superintendent, the looting and riots have happened because there are no consequences. It says that the superintendent of the Chicago Police Department dropped some hard truths today on why the riots and looting happened last night in Chicago. He noted that the consequences aren't his officers arresting them, but rather, quote, the consequences are once prosecution and sentencing comes up because there's no consequences. And before I play for you guys this clip, I have to make it abundantly clear that I'm definitely not like a authoritarian person. I'm not like for all these draconian lockdowns or snatching, grabbing people off the streets, you know, HR 6666 contact tracing or any of this type of stuff but I am for some level of balance and when we're playing these protests when we're talking about representatives green lighting this stuff when you have citizens and I'll play this quick clip for you guys of citizens in Chicago yelling at BLM saying you guys need to get up out of here you're only here when the cameras come here I'm asking for that level of logic I'm asking for that level of order I'm asking for something to be respected instead of us going down uh, this crazy and chaotic path. But here, let's play the Chicago police superintendent, and then we'll continue. And I, I made this point in my comments. These looters act as if there are no consequences to their behavior. And they based it on uh, what happened previously, that we made a lot of arrests during May and June. And not many of those cases were prosecuted to the fullest extent. And I think that's my point and the mayor's point. We have to have consequences for 
the arrests that Chicago police officers make through great threat to their own safety. They're being shot at to make these arrests. And these looters, these thieves, these criminals are emboldened by no consequences in the criminal system. They get released. Many charges get dropped. And so they feel emboldened to do it more. Do it more. That, that is not a, 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 you know, a consequence of the officers not making the arrest. The officers are making the arrest. The consequences are uh, once prosecution and sentencing comes up, there's no consequence. So we would, we would argue that let's have the criminal justice system here deliver a strong message to these criminals that there will be consequences for your behavior. It, it almost sounds as though you're saying this is the reason we have it is because the courts and the prosecutors were not doing their job, that they were going too easy on the leaders from the last time around. Is I, don't don't take it from me. Just go by what's been done. I'm just I, I don't want to you, but just go by what's been done. There was there were no consequences for the people arrested. Greg, let's be clear. Don't bait us, okay? Do not bait us. Don't, do not bait us. This is a serious situation. People are concerned about their safety. Officers are concerned about their safety. So don't bait us. What we're saying is, as a result of what happened last night, there have to be consequences. We've got teams of people that are aggressively out there, identifying the people responsible, looking at the, the plates, and we're going to bring them to justice. But when we do, and we do make those arrests, our expectation is that this is going to be treated with the level of seriousness that it should be, period. Don't try to bait us, mischaracterize, pit one against the other. We're not playing that. We're in a serious situation here, and we need a serious response. That's what we're saying, period. I'm not trying to bait you, man. I'm just asking a question that, that seems... Ask an answer. You have another question? Yes, I do. We talked a little bit about it, but several questions have come in. Because it is a serious incident. We're literally talking about people not being able to walk on the street, have like have dinners, uh, have organized protests, have anything. We are being assaulted by lawlessness. Check this out right here. Fed up black Chicago residents kick BLM radicals out of their neighborhood. This is written by Baxter Dimitri. They put this up August 14th over there at your newswire. This is Black Lives Matter protesters were kicked out of Inglewood, Chicago on Wednesday by a large group of fed up black residents who made it clear that they are tired of the BLM hypocrisy and criminality. Inglewood locals resisted BLM radicals who descended on their neighborhood and threatened to cause a scene, Fox 32 reported. Quote, if you ain't from Inglewood, get the F out of here. Daryl Smith, a local resident, shouted at, protest at the protesters. Let's take a listen. Tell them. 
because it's the truth. It says that the rally moved to the police station where the officers involved in Sunday's shootout were based, but was dispersed after angry residents pushed back. It says none of these mother efforts are going to be here tomorrow. That's why I got a problem, Dwayne Kidd, a lifelong Inglewood resident, told the Sun-Times. If they would have gotten something incited with the, pres- with the police, who's going to deal with it tomorrow? The community, not them. They'll be somewhere sipping sangria somewhere. I'm telling you like it is because it's the truth. These people don't care about black lives. They care about cameras. They care about the views. They care about what's trendy. These people really don't care about black lives matter, man. Real talk. And so I think just I got to enter. I got the. Uh, it's not that I'm not about like black lives matter, man. I'm about like the, the slogan. It, yes, black lives do matter. But this is such a sophisticated marketing campaign that you have. You, you get caught into the trap right up off the bat. When I have talked to you, the audience, about representing the black community in the capacity that I do, being the nerdy person that I am, I find that strange. But that's because Black Lives Matter, and when I'm saying representation is important, we all represent one another. I say it all the time. In Lakesh, uh, the, 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 the Australian Aboriginal phrase for I am another you. We've got to fix this. We've got to hold these people accountable. A lot of these people have been deceived, and they're delusional. Because it's easy to embolden people whenever there isn't any reaction, whenever there isn't any blowback. And speaking about the blowback because of all the chaos that is going on, this is going to happen nationwide as well. Uh, Chicago PD creates social media monitoring unit amid the rioting and looting. It says that as Chicago has faced weeks, and you can replace the word Chicago with Portland, you can, you can replace it with what's going on in California. You can replace it with going on in New York. You can replace it with any other place right now. But as Chicago has faced weeks of increased violence and looting, the elected leaders in the Windy City have faced ongoing questions on whether they are capable of protecting the city's residents and businesses. In an attempt to quell the public's rising concerns about the city's preparedness and effectiveness in combating increased crime, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and members of the city state and federal law enforcement announced a new plan to battle the looting. WMAQ-TV reported Friday evening, and they're talking about social media monitoring. That's right. The lawlessness really summoning the fascists. Allison and Rob, this weekend a march is planned on the Dan Ryan Expressway to rally against police brutality. Even the mayor expresses concern about this protest and promises the city is better prepared. Mayor Lightfoot, joined by others, including city, state, and federal law enforcement, presents a new strategic plan to prevent the looting that took the city by surprise this week and has City Hall facing very tough questions whether she and her team are prepared. We, our city government, with our law enforcement partners, simply must do better. Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox insists those who have been arrested will be prosecuted. This week, 44 charges were brought to our office for felony approval. 43 of those were approved. Monitoring social media and reacting faster to it is promised. What we want to do is expand our capacity in in, in this space of looking at intelligence on open source. Similar to the protest two years ago that checked out the Dan Ryan Expressway, another protest is planned there tomorrow. I have a lot of concerns about it. We are going to continue to be in conversation with our state partners about this issue and hopefully have a workable solution. Democratic strategist Delmarie Cobb worries whether it's tomorrow or another day, looting may happen again. The people who are doing this have felt unsafe 
for decades. And so where was the same kind of we've got to find a solution when we heard four-year-olds being killed on the south side. Not only has the mayor heard from those who say they're afraid, the special agent in charge of the FBI, a Chicago native, noted. When I come outside my house, I won't be able to walk down Chicago and enjoy it just like I was 12, 10, or 5. We all feel the weight of this moment, and we are all determined to make sure that we make a difference for the residents in this great city. Chicago police have all days off canceled. They're also working 12-hour shifts. The city is continuing its 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. restricted access to downtown until at least Monday. From the Control Center, Marianne Ahern. Back to you, Allison. Thanks, Marianne. Thanks, Marianne. You know, I'm going to say this as we go out to break. I'm just thinking, you know, hearing Lori Lightfoot, the, 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 the Chicago mayor that told us, uh, with new city officials, they're going to have to pledge themselves to the new world order. I kid you not, we played the clip. You can find it on our feed. Um, just hearing her talk about this, I just got this thought process of the of the defund the police movement and how that's going to lead to people getting pulled off the force, uh, but still some semblance of law enforcement being there, all of it pointing towards pre-crime. You know, technology is cheap. You just got to train the people. You know, you just get all the surveillance stuff. It's already up there, COVID-1984. Pre-crime, trying to figure out how to stop people before they act, you know, not being so aggressive with all the stuff that's going on. So it's so very, very strange uh, these days that we find ourselves living in unrest or else. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about COVID-19 <laughs> and the same way that I'm making a uh, analogy to the defund the police movement with the minority report, COVID-1984, pre-crime, all this other stuff. The COVID report is basically that. COVID is being used to create the system for the technocratic control, technotronic takeover. We're going to be talking about this and more on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction over here on Factions of Freedom. And we'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back. Hey, you don't have that uh, coronavirus thing, do you? Great. You can hang. <laughs> You're good. Because <laughs> if you didn't, I was going to have to sanitize you. Tell you, keep your distance. Nah, I'm just messing with you. I'm just joking with you. Uh, something very, very interesting happened over the weekend. If you like jamming music like myself, if you like jamming music, if you like going to shows and festivals and getting down with a whole bunch of people, uh, you may have caught that over the weekend there was a massive pool party in Wuhan, in China. That's right. It shows that China is over the COVID-19 lockdowns. The rest of the world, not so much. It says that the sight of partygoers in Wuhan, China, piling into a water park without masks or social distancing seems like a cruel joke to nations where no measures, however disruptive, seem to be helping against the pandemic. It says Wuhan is where the first Cases of the SARS-CoV-2 novel coronavirus was first observed in late 2019. The 11 million people and much of the surrounding Hubei province were placed under strict lockdown to halt the spread of the virus. The lockdown induced drastic measures such as people getting their front doors welded shut if one believes the photos circulating online. Fast forward to this past weekend when AFP published photos and videos on of, a, of an electric, electronic music festival at the Wuhan Maya Beach Water Park. I'll play this clip here for you guys shortly. I told people, <laughs> maybe we could see some of the responses. I asked people, uh, like this, if you're down to have a rave or a festival for herd immunity, <laughs> and for people that have been listening for quite some time, 
Remember a couple years ago when all those kids caught Coachella, uh, caught caught herpes at at Coachella? It's like 250 kids over two towns. They caught herpes. I called it Coachella. Just make sure you don't catch uh, Coachella while you're trying to bite, trying to fight COVID. <laughs> it says uh, though the local media says that the park officially operates at 50 percent capacity. Quote. None of the tightly packed partygoers were seen to be wearing face masks, the French news agency reported. AFP added the official explanation that, quote, there may, that there have been no new domestically transmitted cases officially reported in the Hubei province since mid-May and the, 70, and the 76-day lockdown has been lifted in April. Let's take a listen to see how lit this party was. Maybe. No? Could you imagine just being like at a, a a pool party with all that crazy stuff going on, man? Oh my god, it would be so cool. Oh, but back to reality. Uh, now that you saw right there, now China's going to be positioned as the saviors because look at all the draconian things they did to their people and the freedom that they're about to have, but all the drama they had to go through first. Here's something that you need to consider post COVID lockdown. What you're seeing right now is propaganda, very well-crafted and organized propaganda, because this is something you need to consider. Consider the, the COVID surveillance apps. How many people have phones who are being allowed to go to these parties? How many people have COVID-19 but can be secretly detained? I'll use a, a better example, the, the HR666, the contact tracing bill that they have here. Disappear people, random spot checks and temperature checks, social credit score systems, who's being allowed to go to this party, right? Did you get the information? Did you get the invite? Thought transformation centers for uh, religious extremists and radicals, people that don't think the way that the Communist Party allows for them to, and their nationwide digital currency. These are all things that took place post their COVID-19 lockdowns over there in China. So when you're seeing this pool party, you have to think about it being allowed how we're also being allowed to see this. This is propaganda. You see. It says, while nearby countries such as South Korea and Japan managed to keep track of the people infected and suppressed the epidemic without a lockdown, almost every other country in the world has implemented the Wuhan model to some extent or another and got nowhere near the same result. It says the U.S. has been on lockdown to some extent or another for twice as long as Wuhan, 154 days as of Monday, though it was originally supposed to be only 15 days to slow the spread. And as a result, the economy has ground to a halt, small businesses have been ruined, and millions are facing eviction for being unable to afford rent. European countries are facing the same problem. So what you're seeing right there with that Wuhan pool party is propaganda. You're seeing them basically troll us, man, like, I guess I, I, I guess uh, 
to use like a crude video game like analogy it's like somebody that does like a touchdown dance somebody that uh does a dance over your corpse we got played we got we we, we got hoaxed and now they're able to go right right along with things as if it's perfectly normal while we're struggling like i said before we weren't necessarily infected with this virus so much as we were infected with authoritarianism. And there could be no other better example of such authoritarianism than this right here. Universities asks students to play, quote, coronavirus police, report their peers who might have COVID-19. So imagine you're at college, you're out there on the quad, or you're out there on the lawn, you're out there just chilling outside the library and you see somebody cough. Are you going to be the COVID-1984 police? Are you going to be the coronavirus police and say, hey, I think this person might have COVID-19. That is too much power for a college kid. This is written, uh, this is over there, Activist Post. They put this up August 17th. It says, as colleges across America reopen for in-person learning this fall, some are asking students to report peers who might not be following guidelines that universities have set up to prevent the spread of COVID-19. It says, for example, the University of Miami has set up a system where, quote, students are encouraged to report concerns about unsafe behaviors of their peers, and administrators will review the concern. Says Texas A&M University has a similar system where faculty members and administrators can file a report if they are concerned someone else ha- on campus has COVID-19 or has come into contact with the virus. Tulane University also has a system where university members can report, quote, problematic behavior related to COVID-19 and depending on the circumstance are asked to call the university police, quote, do you really want to be the reason the Tulane and the New Orleans have to shut down again? Quote, Tulane Dean of Students Erica Woodley wrote on the reporting page announcement. It says Yale University is, is even encouraging students to, quote, make reports concerning COVID-19 to the university hotline. The University of North Georgia has set up a similar, quote, COVID-19 concern for others form, which prompted a letter to the university for the Southeastern Legal Foundation, which claims that the forms may violate students' rights to privacy and could possibly censor speech. Now, think about this, gang. Just the other week, I talked to you about how a man, I think in Canada, actually had, he lost, he lost custody of his child because he called COVID-19 what it was. He called it a scandemic. And the wife used that as the perfect legal reason to rob him the custody of his child. This is crazy. You see how COVID-19 is being used as, a, as, a, as an excuse to insert this authoritarian agenda. It's very, very dangerous. You know, one of my, um, one of my exclusive members asked me earlier, or, or, or uh, earlier this month, last week, he says, do you think that we'll see the mark of the beast implemented in our time frame, and I had to be very careful, very careful in answering him and saying that I think we will, but I don't think that we'll be the ones to take it. They'll try to get the next generation or our children's generation because we'll see it being implemented today. And just this week, you have Elon Musk admitting that indeed you will have a USB dash C port inside your brain. Uh, but getting back into more of the COVID nineteen nonsense and some of the other strange, curious things uh, that are going on here with it. 
again, just the, 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 the technocratic and authoritarian nature behind this right here. University threatens to suspend students who leave the 4.5-mile COVID bubble. So not only we're, we're taking college and academia to a completely different degree. This is what we mean by indoctrination. This is what we mean by social engineering. You're not allowing kids to leave the area. You're not allowing them to think for themselves. They have to be involved in this social experiment. This is written by Paul Joseph Watson. They put this up August 19th over there at Summit.News. It says Michigan's Albion College is threatening to suspend students who leave a 4.5-mile, quote, COVID bubble that is enforced via a tracking app on their phone. Quote, the school is working to create a, quote, COVID bubble on campus and asking students to stay within the school's 4.5-mile perimeter for the entire semester. If a student leaves campus, the app will notify the administration and the student could be temporarily suspended, reports the Washington Free Beacon. The students have to fill out a form five days in advance if they want to leave the campus for things like medical appointments. Otherwise, they have to stick to a list of, quote, approved businesses that they are allowed to visit. They are also required to submit specimen collection and lab tests. Students who fail to comply with the measures will be locked out of their dorms and, on, and other on-campus buildings, and those who repeatedly violate the rules will be suspended. This is prisoner training. Why not just fit every student with an orange jumpsuit and an electronic tag that tracks their every movement and, ha- and be done with it? The school was asked why the restriction was only being enforced against students and not professors or administrators, but they had no answers. Quote, College has already largely eradicated the concept of free speech among students. Freedom of movement, association, and privacy rights may follow. Comments, David Blount. So what you're training students for these days, what you're training kids for, is to be tracked at all times, to be told that, listen, I know you thought there was a way that the world worked, but because you've entered into this new social contract, your phone will tell you what you're allowed to do. Don't use logic. Don't think about things. Let your phone do that work for you. Do you understand how dangerous that is? Do you understand how dangerous that is? you understand how dangerous we are? When I'm saying like the COVID report, I'm talking about the minority report. I'm talking about how they're literally using COVID-19 to implement this, 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 this technocratic control over society. You know, whenever I was having, again, that same exclusive member that asked me about the Mark of the Beast, he asked it because we were talking about uh, children. He was helping his siblings. Migs, I'm talking about you. He was talking about helping his siblings process the information that they're teaching these kids on school, on, online. And I was thinking, you know, yeah, it's going to be a little bit difficult when you're at um, when you're at home versus when you're at school because you associate school with with work and then you associate home with chill, it's going to be a little bit strange having work at chill. And so he was talking to me about how, you know, he was watching his little sister uh, go through class and how she was having a hard time focusing and she was looking at him and I couldn't help. But whenever she was looking at him, he kept telling her, Hey, you know, listen to the teacher. Don't, don't worry about me. Listen to the teacher. I couldn't help but think about that symbolic force slash energetic exchange that, during times of hesitation, obviously, your sibling's going to look to you for help. It's going to look to you for the person to help them. But if by default you're saying, hey, go to this person, they can help you. They can help you better than I can. This isn't, I'm not talking smack, but I'm saying this is what's happening with kids around the entire world right now. They're being told that your family is there to house you, that technology is there to educate you. 
that we are not taking the time to educate our children, that we're not teaching them anything new, that we're passing that on with technology. And so when we're reading the story about how the universities are keeping kids in this 4.5 social bubble, you're keeping them in that state of mind. You're saying that parents, you can't, you can't get in here. It's that same kind of uh, uh, code switch, that same kind of like mentality flip. I hope that makes sense. Because here, it, it, with that same thought process, you're going to have people believing, you're going to have some people not wanting to go along with these draconian measures. Anybody with common sense wouldn't want to. But it, 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 it becomes a very, very convoluted and complicated uh, topic. But to continue on, check this out. More of this minority COVID report. Australian authorities to remove children from parents' care at will over COVID-19 fears. This is uh, put up over there at Signs of the Time. They put this up August 19th, and it has it right here from South Australia. Their COVID-19 Emergency Response Act of 2020. And after Section 25, Insert 25A talks about the removal of children. And I'm going to get on the air with some of the people that we know in Australia to really try to to get their perspective, because some of this stuff is terrifying. It's terrifying to think that they can do this. I'll play another clip for you guys here where they talk about uh, putting people in FEMA camps and quarantine facilities. And this is, again, a part of that new normal, this new abnormality, this COVID-1984 Minority Report lifestyle, where you've got to be okay with people just being disappeared off the streets. We saw it uh, in Portland just the other week and in New York where they were out there disappearing people. It's okay for protesters to get disappeared, but, but, but children, this is the problem. They're pushing that Overton window to where we're accepting this totalitarianism. It's dangerous. They put this up August 19th. It comes from Signs of the Time. It says, in a disturbing revelation, Australian authorities have arrogated themselves to the power to remove children from the care of their parents over coronavirus fears as the country is forced to leveling degrees of lockdown depending on the state. The act, which was proposed as a temporary measure to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and what has been considered an emergency, according to the Australian Christian outlet Cauldron Pool, Schedule 2 of the COVID-19 Emergency Response Act lists temporary modifications of particular state laws. Under Part 1, amendments to the Emergency Response Act 2004 are outlined. The Emergency Response Act 2004 is enacted to, quote, establish strategies and systems for management of emergencies in the state and for other purposes. Section 24 through 26, which is classified as Division 4 of the Act, lists the powers that may be executed in relation to, quote, declared emergencies. Under Section 24A, an emergency is defined as the following, quote, an emergency may be declared as a major incident, a major emergency, or a major disaster where whether other whether or not the emergency has previously been declared to a public health incident or a public health emergency under the under the South Australian Public Health Act of 2011 and it basically just goes on to talk about the legalities behind doing so and it's crazy <laughs> it's crazy it says Australia has been criticized for its heavy-handed approach in attempting to prevent the spread of co- of the coronavirus earlier this month national file reported a, on a shocking video where a police, which we reported on last week, choked a 21-year-old woman during a messy arrest after she failed to wear a mask in Melbourne. Police also shot through the car window of a driver who was allegedly breaching coronavirus curfew and driving away from officers when the, when the driver was approached for questioning. Parents appear to be losing control over their children's custody on a global level. 
A transgender teenager was taken away from the parents' care after they refused to grant her a physical gender transition. What we are seeing right now is not a relinquishing of power, but such a shift that is dangerous. It, what we're seeing in Australia should terrify people. What we saw with, uh, again, China should confuse you, right? And what we're seeing worldwide should really make you think no one has any idea of what's going on. That some of this is allowed to take place, some of this chaos, some of this lawlessness for sure. But nobody has any idea of what's going on. But imagine this, like... I, I realize I literally just kind of grazed through an article where we're talking about the Australian authorities having the ability to detain children. This, is, this, this comes from the UN back in April talking about uh, finding a safe and dignified way to go inside of people's houses and to remove potentially infected people. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just casually talking about like disappearing people, you know. I'm just casually talking about people... Uh, you know, just going away for, for, for a cold. We haven't talked about what happens when these people come out, reintegration. But we are sure talking about disappearing people. That's, that's very, very dangerous. It's a very, very slippery slope. Very, very slippery. And all for the sake of the virus, huh? We're still not even talking about, was this a bioweapon, right? Was this, was this purposely released? Like I said, we have been infected not necessarily with this virus, but with authoritarianism. And you already have uh, sociopathic villains such as Bill, Bill Gates talking about the next terrorist or the next bioweapon being delivered by terrorists. There are so many, so many facets in just COVID-1984 that to say that it happened by accident uh, would be degrading and insulting to both your intelligence and your time. Um, but uh, to continue on with the show and the information and what we're covering, authorities in Melbourne, Australia, the very same place that we just talked about, are using surveillance drones to catch people who aren't wearing masks. Police are preparing to launch their aerial arsenal as part of a crackdown on COVID rule breakers. High-powered drones will be used to find people not wearing masks and cars too far from home. Sky-high surveillance as we battle to control COVID. Over the next week, Victoria Police will dispatch drones. They'll be keeping a watch on St Kilda and Port Melbourne Beach, making sure skate parks and playgrounds remain empty. And for those who head to the park, a mask is a must, or at least a face covering. Are they knickers? Yeah, it's my knickers. <laughs> have also been using drones to guard the New South Wales border. There are concerns this style of policing won't end when the pandemic is over. I think it's very important that we come up with rules, with laws that can also have things like sunset clauses so there's an end point for any kind of technology or new powers that police might use. There's no escaping this high-powered aerial arsenal. It can be flown for seven kilometres. The camera is infrared and it's so clear it can read a vehicle's number plate from 500 metres away. It doesn't really bother me. I'm doing the right thing, so I've got nothing to hide. Are we going to do a good job, the coppers? Good, you know, good on them for doing it. Tegan Dolling, 7 News. Thanks, Sorry. Tegan. Thanks, Tegan. But did you hear what she said right there, that she's not doing anything wrong? 
so I've got nothing to hide. I think that's a lot of people's approach towards this. I'm not doing anything wrong, therefore I've got nothing to hide. Yeah, this is perfectly fine. I actually support this. It's because a lot of these people don't really understand what they're doing. Yeah, sure, just put the mask on. Yeah, sure, just put the gloves on. Yeah, sure, just get followed by the by this by this by this drone. Yeah, sure, just get in the car. Yeah, sure, just get into the the cage. Yeah, sure, just get into the get into the ditch. Get into the hole. Yeah, just die. Yeah, you see how we had to explain this whole situation. It's like a hostage style situation. Put the gloves on. Put the mask on. You know, just 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 be okay with being watched. Be okay with being surta- uh, surveilled. Be okay with being detained. Be okay with being worked to death. Be okay with dying. Like, is this okay with you? Like she said, she's got nothing to hide. So she's got nothing to worry about. But what happens whenever you do have something to hide, uh, Karen, Susie, Lindsay, Stephanie? What happens whenever you actually do have something to hide? Where can you hide? You see, that's the problem is the, is the compliance and the capitulation. But we don't have time for this. Right here, another very, very traumatic thing that happened this week. The, uh, the prime minister actually walked back his comments after getting a backlash. But the prime minister of Australia said that the coronavirus should be made mandatory. Now, we've talked about this in different ways over the years on the show. I just think it's crazy to see it come out full force nationwide. In Australia, they have, uh, what is it? We talked about it the other week. No jab, no play. And no jab, no pay, where they have compulsory immunizations, mandatory vaccinations uh, for people who work in healthcare, uh, for people who work around children, for people who work in academia and education, right? You don't get your paycheck unless you get that monthly vaccine or unless you get uh, uh, whatever the certified vaccine is. And this is a couple years ago. But fast forward to where we're at now, COVID-1984 gave them the perfect reason to introduce mandatory vaccinations nationwide. Let's listen. Australia's Prime Minister has backed away from a suggestion that a coronavirus vaccine should be mandatory. After a backlash, Scott Morrison now says people will be encouraged to get themselves vaccinated. He says there will also be measures put in place to secure a high rate of immunization. Australia has secured a vaccine deal that it plans to roll out cost-free to citizens. ABC's Jane Norman reports. In the magic formula to protect against this pathogen, the big ingredient is hope. I'd like to say there's a silver bullet when it comes to pandemic, and a vaccine is about as close as you get to one. There's no guarantee we'll get one, but Australia is starting to position itself in case a vaccine's found. Partnering with global drug company AstraZeneca to access one of the most promising candidates, Oxford Universities. Our ambition is to provide broad and equitable access to this vaccine around the globe at no profit uh, during the pandemic. The Oxford project is in the final stages of human trials and Australia is not the only country interested. From the UK to the USA, Brazil to the European Union, contracts have already been signed and hundreds of millions of dollars secured. When the Prime Minister says Australians will have first access to this vaccine, he is simply not telling the truth. Australia signed a letter of intent, a formal agreement expected within days once a local manufacturer is being locked in. That presents its own challenges. It has never been produced in Australia. This is a massive uh, scale-up. 
while Oxford offers the most immediate hope, it's in a crowded field of contenders currently conducting drug trials, two of them here in Australia. There's never been a coronavirus vaccine and the fastest any vaccine's ever been developed is four years. This time, there's growing optimism that scientists working at astonishing speed will strike gold. If that happens, the Prime Minister's promising the COVID-19 vaccine will be free for all Australians and he wants all Australians to take it up, even indicating government payments might be withheld from those who refuse. I have a pretty strong view on vaccines. Uh, being the social services minister that introduced no jab, no play, I'll certainly be taking it on. My family will be taking it on. Now, I can play this. And taking it across the Pacific too. Australia is promising to distribute a vaccine to the region. If all goes to plan, it could happen as early as next year. And that would be something to celebrate. Jane Norman, ABC News, Canberra. Canberra. Thank you, Jane. Thank you. But what's 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 most important about uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison talking about that? What's what's so important about that is him saying they'll be encouraged. You can't make something mandatory because, well, people have rights, but they'll be encouraged. They'll be suggested to. They'll be coerced. They'll be manipulated into. They'll be urged. They'll be pushed. They'll be encouraged. These are all different synonyms. <laughs> for them trying to get you to take the shot. Remember, not last week, but the week before last, we talked about how the U.S. government and Yale was working on ways to coerce, to encourage people to get the shot. You can't do that. You can't hold somebody down and and plunge a needle into their arm. You can't do that. Uh, But what you can do is you can ask, you can request, you can encourage, you you can do a lot of things. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is that in the UK, you have them asking more high-risk and minority patients (laughs) to sign up for the COVID-19 vaccine trials. That's right. They need more more sacrifices for human experiments. They need more experiments. They need more people. This is written by Zero Hedge over there by Tyler Durden. They put this up August 18th. It says, ever since a government study declared that minorities in the UK appear to be more vulnerable to the virus than whites, though this racial disparity diminishes subsequently substantially one occupation and class are introduced as factors, it appears that the UK public health authorities have caught the, have caught the social justice bug. The data prompted the UK Vaccine Tax Force, the public health authority responsible for, the, for supervising the many studies of a COVID-19 vaccine, to put out urgent calls for more minority candidates to sign up for trials, uh, despite recruiting 100,000 candidates for their study. On Monday, the UK government put out another similar request, asking for vo- asking for more volunteers who are either, quote, high risk, elderly or immunocompromised, frontline hospital or home care workers, or ethnic minorities. Now, what's so interesting about this is you we, we heard earlier on that COVID-19 was disproportionately affecting people of color, black people, Uh, because we weren't receiving enough sunlight, and that's very true. I mean, you look at, again, today's modern society, the fact that they've told us to stay locked down. Nobody's going outside to get vitamin D to get sunlight. We have to stay in the sun for at least two to three to four to five hours sometimes so that we can get a proper dosage, and this has to be done at least every day, and we know we don't do that. So, yes, there could be some factual 
truth behind them saying that people of color are disproportionately affected uh, by COVID-19. Now, when they're asking for high risk in minority patients, they're trying to see the efficacy of these vaccines because they already see that it's, <laughs> that it's not working. Dr. Anthony Fauci talked about that, how the, how, how the eff- efficacy of these vaccines should not be trusted. But what's so important about all this stuff that we're talking about is, is, is we're trying to have this discussion like the vaccines are going to save us, like the drug companies are going to save us. And that's the, false, that's the falsehood, you see. The reason they're going to make the COVID-19 vaccine free, air quotes, is because the real treatments won't be free. I'll say that one more time. They're making the vaccine free because the treatments won't be. The treatments won't be. When we've got all these mutations running around, us over here scrambling things, doing messing with biology, like we said before, is this a because it is a genetically modified uh, virus? Does it need, does it, are we even talking about that? What else is going to go on? Bill Gates has, all, has also talked about how the next attack will be from a bioware, from a terrorist point of view. Really look at what's going on. So I'll say this one more time. The drug companies want to make the COVID-19 vaccine free because the virus isn't going to go away. The treatments won't be free. They lied to you about the problem. They're going to sell you a solution and manufacture your dependence. You got to realize that there's no money in a cure, but there is profit in a problem. And that's why you see all the nations just clamoring, rushing to, to, to outdo one another, to, to be more authoritarian. It was supposed to be 15 days and now we're at 150 Shucks, why don't they just, they're about to just keep the country locked down <laughs> for the rest of the year. I mean, you might as well, right? And it's not like people are abiding by the lockdown anyway, because they said that. Bill Gates said that. This wasn't a real thing. This was a test. This was a drill. This was to see how we would respond. Yeah, the, the, the vaccine's going to be free because the treatments won't be. Check this out uh, before I move on to my next article. Check this out. Chinese regulators say that the COVID-19 vaccine must be at least 50% effective and last for six months. It says that Beijing is stepping up the drumbeat toward the eventual launch of Sonsino's adrenovirus vector COVID-19 vaccine by lowering China's standards for vaccine efficacy. (laughs) Oh, great. It says days after approving a patent for CanSino's vaccine, a ploy that we joked was drumming up because President Xi was jealous of all the attention afforded Putin, China is now saying that any vaccines approved by its regulators must only be 50% effective and demonstrate efficacy for a period of at least six months. Yeah, because people who recover from the vaccine have a three-month window of immunity. And so this is why Bill Gates is saying that the elderly people, the vaccines are going to, they're not going to work. But for the younger people who have to get more than one shots, there's going to be some problems. There's going to be some, there's going to be some, some, some symptoms, some adverse reactions to these vaccines. So you see why I say that they're they're using us as human experiments that because they, when they make it free, okay, that it's not a program, it's not a volunteer thing, right? That when they make it free, you opt in the same way that we opted in the Fed book, the same way that we opted in the Instagram and the Twitter and the YouTube and all these other things. 
you're going to opt into the COVID-19 treatments. You're going to opt in into the into all the stuff that goes in with that because the vaccine's free. But the treatments will not be. The treatments will not be. Now, another thing that popped up last week in Australia that is again just <laughs> mind-blowing and I don't you don't have to call it Australia. It's New Zealand. But New Zealand said that it will put all new COVID infectees and their families into quarantine facilities. That's right. That's right. Director General of Health, Dr. Ashley Bloomfield, announced this just last week. Let's take a listen. As part of our overall national response to this new outbreak, I am now directing medical officers of health that all cases, confirmed cases, are to be managed in a quarantine facility. Now, this is different to how positive cases were managed when we were last at levels four and indeed three, and shows how serious we are about limiting any risk of ongoing transmission, even in self-isolation and including to others in the household. This will apply to any cases and also close family members who might be at risk as appropriate. A reminder, these facilities have been set up specifically and have excellent processes and resources in place to look after people with COVID-19, including health staff on site at all times, and it will help us avoid any further inadvertent spread into the community as part of our overall response. They're saying, hey, they're saying, hey. When we take you, don't worry, we're not going to treat you like some prisoner. You're going to you're going to be well kept. Don't worry, we're not savages. <laughs> this is written by Paul Joseph Watson. They put this up August 14th over there at Summit News. This is authorities in New Zealand have said that they will put all new coronavirus infectees and their close family members in quote quarantine facilities. Since the new measure was announced by Director General of Health, Dr. Ashley Bloomfield, during a press conference yesterday, quote, all cases confirmed are to be managed in quarantine facilities, said Bloomfield, adding that the, adding that the move showed, quote, how serious we are about limiting any risk of ongoing transmission, even in self-isolation and including to the others in the household. Quote, this will apply to any cases and also to close family members who might be at risk, said Bloomfield. In a separate video, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern made it clear that anyone in the quarantine facility who refused to take a COVID-19 test would simply be held there for at least 14 days. I doubt that. I doubt that. The same way that we were supposed to go on lockdown for only 15 days and we're still here, I doubt that people will be locked in there for only 14 days if they don't want to get the test. I doubt that. Earlier this week, New Zealand took the decision to impose a new level three lockdown in Auckland and a level two lockdown across the rest of the country after just four new COVID-19 cases were discovered, with all the infectees being a part of the same family. This led to schools, businesses, and restaurants all being closed for a three-day period, which Arden made clear could be extended. Before that, there hadn't been a single record case of of coronavirus across the county or the country for 102 days. The total coronavirus death toll for New Zealand amounts to just 22 people over the course of the entire pandemic. In neighboring Australia, police have have been given the power to enter homes without a warrant to perform quarantine spot checks. One wonders what will happen to the people in New Zealand who refuse to be held in a government quarantine camp 
against their will. It's only 14 days. Oh, it's only 14 days. You don't even worry about that. We'll let you go right after that. Doubtful. And so to close out this segment, I'm going to play for you guys a quick clip. Viral that went uh, all over the place. Currently has 91,000 views uh, on our on our page right now. And it's of a veteran literally talking about how our families are dying. Our families are starving. And how we've got to do something about this. And we were willing to go around. We were willing to go along with this. The wearing of the mask because we all wanted to do our part. But now, not so much. And if you don't open the country back up, if you don't let us do this and get back to work, this is a warning for what's to, co- for what's to come. This is by uh, Carlos Zapata, a veteran and a California business owner. Let's listen. Let's listen and take heed to what he's being to, to what is being said. People don't realize that their rights are being trampled on and the sophistication of this coercion. Let's listen to the voice that represents us all. Zapata, um, I wasn't going to speak. I was asked to speak here, you know, uh, Sheriff Garcia. Um, I'm telling you guys, you know, I'm pretty appalled at what's going on. You know, at first we sat as concerned citizens and we all wanted to figure out how to best navigate our way through this whole COVID thing, you know. And uh, as, as we realized that it's not quite as dangerous as we thought it'd be, you know, I was absolutely appalled at the cowardice, you know. And as you're sitting there with your masks on, um, I don't blame you for wearing masks because I'd be hiding my face too if I was you for what you're doing. It's absolutely horrendous what you're doing to these people. I'm a business owner, and, uh, and I'm telling you, our families are starving. You know, you guys can sit here with your jobs. You can sit here and you're going to get paid and fall asleep in your chair like that gentleman's doing behind his mask right there, okay? Uh, and I'm telling you right now that right now we're being peaceful, and, and you better be happy that we're, we're good citizens, that we're peaceful citizens. But it's not going to be peaceful much longer, okay? And this isn't a threat. I'm not a criminal. I've never been a criminal. But I'm telling you, good citizens are going to turn into real concerned and revolutionary citizens real soon. And nobody else is going to say that. I'm probably the only person that has a boss say what I'm saying right now. But we're building, we're organizing, and we'll work with law enforcement or without law enforcement. But you won't stop us when time comes because our families are starving. And if you don't hear the seriousness of my voice, I hope you open your ears. You absolutely listen to what I'm saying. Because this is a warning for what's coming. It's not going to be peaceful much longer. It's not going to be raw raw. It's not going to be speeches. It's not going to be found outside saying Pledge of Allegiance. It's not going to be waving flags. It's going to be real. When you see the things that I've seen, I went to war for this country. I've seen the ugliest, dirtiest part of humanity. I've been in combat, and I never want to go back again. But I'm telling you what, I will to save this country. If it has to be against our own citizens, it will happen. And there's a million people like me, and you won't stop us. Open the county. Let our citizens do what they need to do. Let owners of businesses do what they need to do to feed their families. Take the masks off. Quit masking and muzzling your children. The psychological damage you're doing to them is horrible. I've had six friends kill themselves since it's happened. Veterans have lost their jobs. How do you feel about being complicit in perpetuating that? The greatest post ever perpetuated on the American people. And you're a part of it by wearing masks. In Shasta County, we're supposed to be red country up here. Not blue country, we're red country up here. Zapata, um, I wasn't going to speak. I was asked to speak here, you know, uh, Sheriff Garcia. Um, I'm telling you guys. Powerful. Powerful. And I'll put that link in the description bar below if you guys want to go listen to it. Because it's the truth, man. You're seeing 
the worst and the best of us rise and fall at the same time. And what's happening right now is a travesty. What's happening right now is, 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 it is an affront to mankind. And that's why all, I don't want to sound like this propaganda. I don't want to say we're all in this together. But we are all we have. And all we can do is fight back. But speaking of what we're going to do, we're going to take a, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about dividing the wealth. Like he was saying, people are shut down. People can't work. People can't feed their families. But since the COVID-19 pandemic began, tech billionaires have seen their wealth skyrocket. Forty have seen their, 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 their wealth skyrocket. And people are unable to pay their bills. So while you have people going along with this, they don't see how much damage they're hurting or how much damage they're doing. But like I said, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about this and more. More techno serfdom, more of the greatest wealth divide in history on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction over here on Factions of Freedom. And we'll be right back right after this. Please excuse this hiccup. Welcome back. I uh, I should let you guys know that we are getting a mixer uh, because of not only the not only the videos but the flow and the other things that we have lined up. Let's just say that we're having to step up our responsibility being in this position, and you guys definitely deserve better audio quality content. Um, and yeah, you know, we're just trying to figure out how to be a better, a better media organization uh, and a better content providers. And because of you guys' continued support, and so you're on and so forth, right? <laughs> Your you continued support, prayers, thanks, shares, and more, we're able to do that. Um, and so I. Don't know why I came in saying that. Just kind of felt like I should let you guys know. We are a ragtag operation, and we are only here because of your guys' continued support. And I know that that sounds like cheesy, but people don't really understand um, the value of a single like, the value of a single listen, the value of a single share. Uh, the, and I appreciate that. You know, I've, I really have grown to appreciate uh, what we've evolved into over the years. And it's easy to it's easy to lose that uh, whenever we fight all these fights and whenever we explain all these things. 
And so thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here. Thank you uh, for listening to my ramblings. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being here. Really. I really do mean that. Uh, and with that being said, let's start this segment. Now, it's only recently that we begin to look at, again, some of the socioeconomic issues and the sociopolitical issues of COVID-19 and, and things like this. Uh, towards the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, I actually compared COVID-19 to the new or to 9-11, you know, where we had the Tower 1, the Tower 2, and Tower 7. Tower 1 was China, Tower 2 was worldwide, and Tower 7 is where we're at now with the socioeconomic reformation or the socioeconomic implications. People not working, uh, food processing plants shutting down, things of this nature. This is, this is all sophisticated. This is all a part of it. And there is no other way to explain that other than this article right here uh, from Now the End Begins, written by Jeffrey Greider. It says, since the COVID-19 pandemic began, tech billionaires saw their wealth skyrocket 40, saw their wealth skyrocket as 40 million Americans are forced on unemployment and food lines. Now, before I play for you guys that, or before I get into this article, I want to just real quick play for you guys uh, this clip of a food bank out there in Texas where they're having a car line stretch for a, for a mile. Now this isn't this isn't me talking to you. This isn't me ranting to you. This is somebody else putting together a news report about food banks being overrun in Dallas, Texas. We put this up August twelfth. It says a couple thousand more families can sit down at full tables on Tuesday night. But let's listen. Cars stretched for more than a mile. Families lined up at Fair Park today for another huge food distribution. Robbie Owens is at Fair Park. As the cars formed a well-organized queue. I actually, I lived in West Dallas, but I came this far just to get the help. Each told a story. And what if it is, we probably go home. The families navigating crisis. You know, there's, there's times I open that refrigerator and there's, there's little there, you know. But again, we make do with what, uh, what we can and we make it stretch. Diana King has taken in her daughter and her family. crazy uh, and, and I'm sure you guys kind of get it from there uh, but it talks about just that how there are thousands of families that don't have food uh, at the moment and um, that is just it's, it's a it's a scary thought so I'm gonna do a quick plug nobody really ever listens during the breaks and that's okay I'm still gonna do it anyway you guys are seeing what's going on with the news. Like I said, we just played for you that food that food bank being overrun, uh, mile-long food distribution, right? We're talking power outages, food shortages or rationing, race riots, unemployment, currency manipulation, inflation, potential third-world immigration, 
uh, supply line disruptions, what we've talked about for a while now, people not working, food processing plants being shut down, evictions, and, and food banks being overrun. Friends, ladies and gentlemen, if you do not have storable good, storable foods or storable goods, go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Use the link that we have attached to this episode or on our website or with this, this, this article. It does not matter. Go get yourself some storable goods. It has a shelf life that lasts up to 25 years. They have four, uh, four facilities, two that they were able to open up during the lockdown. It's easily transportable. It's packed by experts. You don't have to go through this process if you don't want to go wait in the food line. And like I talked about at the start of this pandemic, right? Go ahead and get it now. Get it at today's, ta- what did I say? It's like today's rates. Get today's tastes at today's rates. And now you don't have to worry about running to the store, running to food banks because you have two years worth. You've got 30 days. You've got a couple months. You've got enough because you took the time to be proactive. Don't just run to the store hoping that they still have food for you there. You need to be proactive. So I'll put that link in the description bar below so you guys can pay attention and go get yourself some. If you still have job and if you still have money, they still have they, they have plans as well that they have pa- they have payment payment plans to help people because they understand what's going on. These guys see the news. They see what's going on. They're paying attention. They're trying to provide stuff for Americans in in a crazy time like this. And so for our international listeners, I'm sorry that I don't have like a a supplier that can help you like that, but give me time and I will get yourself some storable goods. Go ahead and use the link that we have. If not, it's just something you need to think about. I want you to be listening in the future. I want you to be here in the future. Now, let me get into this article from Now the End Begins that uh, they put this up August 14th that talks about the tech billionaires having their wealth skyrocket. I said this too at the start of this. Who benefits from this, from this lockdown, from the COVID-1984, the telecom and the telehealth industries? So when I'm, when I'm, not, when I'm, not, I'm, I'm not trying to yell at you guys, <laughs> I'm not trying to yell at you. I'm not trying to you know, scare you. I'm trying to say this stuff because we have a very limited window of operate of, of opportunity. And if we don't learn to seize opportunities, we're going to get caught in the undertow. I am trying my hardest to provide you guys with this analysis because I see it going on and I can see it happening in slow motion. Same way I'm talking about the elections and stuff that's already coming down there. But here, let me let me get into this so, so we can get into this segment. It says, from March to June 2020, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos saw his wealth rise by an estimated $48 billion. The founder of the video conferencing platform, Zoom, grew his nest egg by over $2.5 billion, and former Microsoft CEO Steve Ballmer's uh, net worth increased by $15, or $15.7 billion. While lines at food pantries across America stretched out over a mile long, America's tech titans were piling up their cash reserves at rates nearly unimaginable to the average person. While some of you received a COVID-19 stimulus check for $1,200, people like Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk got a much larger slice of that $2 trillion pie. While some of you were filing for unemployment, the billionaires were signing papers on yachts and mansions. Are they profiting off of our collective misery? You can bet your bottom dollar on that. These billionaires are part of what is known as the global elites, and these are the people that rule the world. They're going to force you to take a vaccine and digital ID because Bill Gates has decreed it to be so. He is not content with all this wealth or with all his wealth. Now, the only thing that interests him and all the others is control, control of me and control of you. The global elites are the ones who have forced us into lockdown, forced us into wearing a mask and are now forcing us to the brink of, of extinction. 
then it brings up this article from Business Insider. It says how tech billionaires like Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, and Elon Musk got a whopping $637 billion richer during the coronavirus pandemic. Think about this, gang. I, I don't even really have to read much more of it. You already understand what, we're gonna, what, what, it, what it is. You're literally seeing the tech titans, the technocrats, begin to dictate what they're going to do. Now, 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 I have to, I have to pull back a little bit. Got to get a little bit esoteric with you, right? A little bit esoteric. What have we been talking about? What did we talk about in the COVID report? The 4.5 mile COVID with a COVID bubble. People abdicating like their responsibility to their family. The tech titans being able to take over. People being influenced by their phone, the weaponization of social media and technology, social engineering, brainwashing, all this stuff. You remember earlier this year whenever I was talking about Burning Man, right? The symbology behind Burning Man, Silicon Valley's uh, Burning Man, that archetypal event. In that analysis, I was able to explain the symbolism behind both the adjective burning as well as the noun man. And what we're seeing right now is how technology is literally becoming weaponized against the population to burn not only cities, but ideologies down in an attempt to replace it. We are being told that our current way of life, the old normal, is archaic. The old world order is done. It's time for the new normal, the new world order, the technocratic order. You see. So while they level the plague, rob and loot entire countries and nations, governments too, the people being belittled and, and, and broken down, guess who gets bigger? The technocrats, the government, the police state, and more. Do you see, again, what's happening in the peripheral? How they're burning down these, these institutions and these things that we had in place. Dangerous. But I really don't think people, I, I, I don't think I did that good justice even right there. You know, that's why we're seeing uh, government buildings being burned down, cities being burned down. That's why we're in a heat wave right now. There's so many different things be, to explain this, the symbology behind the burning man, man, that you have to understand the sophistication behind it. To give up your values, to give up your way of life, to give up your family, to give up your identity, to be absorbed into the collective, to be assimilated for a larger purpose. That's why they had Apple play uh, F the Police by NWA whenever they started killing all these cops. You see, what's going to happen is the same way that you see all these mobs of people attacking politicians, senators, cops, uh, news reporters, all this type of stuff is the same way that that mob is going to be weaponized against you for violating whatever the social contract is. Realize that, again, we're not talking, we're, we're talking about the social credit score system, how we eradicate the old social contract so we can come up with the new one. We're talking about creating a global citizen and how technology is going to be the, 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 the linchpin for it. It's going to be the crux on it. It's going to be right there uh, uh, at the fulcrum of it. You see? We'll still have America. We'll still have nations, but it'll be, you know, basically defunct because of the culture. And if you don't think that they're having college or if you don't think they're having COVID bubbles on colleges across the entire nation, you're silly because this is a worldwide indoctrination program. Get with it. That's why I say we have been indoctrinated or we have been infected, not necessarily with the virus, but with the crown coronavirus, with authoritarianism.
here, let me <laughs> let me let me speak on this. Moving away from the technocratic takeover, let me speak more on some of the other socioeconomic things that are going on. Still talking about like the 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 the, the gradual depression uh, that we are entering into. There's a number of slides here, so I I, I want you guys to uh, give me some time as I try to briefly go over briefly go over them. Um, I put them up last week, but it talks about uh, if everything is going to be just fine, why are millions being spent to stockpile giant mountains of food? It also says that in China, a food crisis, China forces restaurant or forces recycling of food, restaurant rationing, and social media censorship. This next one comes from the activist post that they put up August 14th. It says, desperate for provisions, thousands of cars line up at the Texas Food Bank, which we just played the clip for. So there one comes from Health Impact News. They put this up August 12th. It says, states and feds secretly stockpiling food to the roof and warehouses. And warehouses, they are stacking food. And this last one really has nothing to do with the food security, but chicken wings test positive for COVID-19 in China, but there's no evidence of food transmission. It's written by uh, End Times Headlines. They put this up August 13th, and it looks like it's sourced from CNN. But let's get back to the start of this. Not about recycling food or food banks being overrun or stockpiling food on top of uh, uh, warehouses, but millions being spent to stockpile giant mountains of food. Now, this is a very, very lengthy article, and I will not have time to read it. But what do you think we're going to read? When I talk to you guys about, um, it's like whenever COVID-19 first started happening and before Trump shut down like the traveling, we were getting reports about military bases around our coasts, like over in New York and California, shutting down and then stockpiling food because they were turning those facili- turning those bases into quarantine facilities to, to house some of the people that were still coming over uh, from foreign countries. That was then. That was months ago. At the start of COVID-19, back in like February or March, we are now in August, and they are still stockpiling food. We are, we are in August. That's like almost five months or so. Like half a year of stockpiling food, wasting millions of dollars on, not wasting, investing millions of dollars of food. Is that because they know that, like I told you guys for the past two weeks, the economy we have now is not going to be the economy we have in the future? I don't know. But I'm looking at these reports and I'm trying to bring this to your guys' attention saying, hey, red alert, red alert, red alert. There's no way for me to easily say this, but... With food prices going up, inflation going up, it costs them like 100 bucks or so to go out. We all need to start thinking a little bit different. I'm going to read a little bit of this, this article, and then I'm going to continue on. It comes from Michael Snyder over there at Sons of Liberty Media. They put this up August 14th. It says, if everything is going to be just fine, why are officials spending millions of dollars to stockpile giant mountains of food? Why has... What has just been revealed about the, quote, new food warehouse in Washington state should be a major red flag to us all. Most Americans seem to believe that the COVID-19 pandemic, the enormous economic problems that have erupted and the nightmarish civil unrest that has been raging in our major cities are all just temporary phenomena and that life will eventually get back to normal. 
Meanwhile, authorities in Washington state are acting as if we have are acting as if what we have experienced so far is just the beginning. According to the Seattle Times, stockpiles of food are being stacked away all the way to the roof in, in quote, Washington State's new food warehouses. In Washington State's new food warehouses, there's enough Jiffy, Jiff peanut butter to make nearly 3 million sandwiches. Barilla pasta boxes stretch to the ceiling, 100,000 in all. Large stacks of treetop applesauce, pancake mix, and canned greens sit on pallets like soldiers waiting to be sent into duty. That seems like quite an odd thing to do if happy days are right around the corner. So what prompted the authorities in Washington State to do this? Well, we were all being told that the purpose of this is to, quote, ward off a shortage of mu- ward off a shortage in the months ahead. After seeing food banks struggle to meet demands once the pandemic hit and the economy tanked, the Washington State Department of Agriculture, WSDA, began preparing to buy and stockpile t- tons of food to ward off a shortage in the months ahead. A, quote, a, quote shortage of food in the months ahead. That is quite a statement to make. In a previous article, I, de- I detailed that we are already witnessing periodic shortages of aluminum cans, soda, flour, canned soup, pasta, and rice. But what is happening in Washington makes it sound like they believe what is ahead will be far, far more severe. Up to this point, Washington State has spent a total of $6.1 million on 4,000 pallets of food, but only one-fourth of the orders that they have placed have, arri- have already arrived. So why hasn't the rest of the food arrived yet? Could it, possi- could it be possible that the other 49 states and the federal governments are doing the exact same thing? Unfortunately, I don't have an answer to that question today. And if anyone, out, if anyone out there has any leads or intel that will help me answer that question, please let me know. Meanwhile, we continue to see unprecedented lines at food banks all over the nation. On Tuesday, vehicles lined up for, quote, a mile to receive free food at a distribution event in Dallas. Bernie Sanders, I'm sure, loves the idea of food lines and bread lines and waiting for your food. Continuing on, it says thousands of people have lined up at a Texas food bank with cars stretching for a mile as the state struggles with being third with the third worst affected by the coronavirus outbreak. Fair Park in Dallas County held its fourth food drive since the pandemic declared in March, but the event on Tuesday was the first mega distribution that offered an option for several hundred walk-up clients without transportation. It just goes on and on and on. This is crazy, isn't it? What do you think they're stockpiling that food for? What do you think they are stockpiling that food for? And I'm feeling like an opportunistic person for telling you guys that, hey, we have a storable goods connect. They're still operating. You should work with them. I am. You have him alluding to the fact that, hey, maybe the other 49 states are doing the same. We don't know. But we do know Washington State is stockpiling food for the months ahead. And I feel like some kind of opportunistic jerk for trying to say, get yourself storable goods, work with us, take care of yourself, take care of me, take care of this operation. I feel like a jerk for trying to warn you. This is the problem. This is where we're at. This is why we have to address passivity and conquer some of this stuff because this is a hindrance and we're not really preparing for what's going on. So that's why you hear me joke about, oh, are we racial experts this week or are we virologists, immunologists and biologists? I'm not playing any one of those types of games. I'm looking at what's happening to us. I'll say this and then I'll get into the other aspect of this whole segment. You know, and I said this earlier this week when I talked to you guys 
a couple of years ago when I did my Building the Matrix documentary, I talked about how when they were going to have us fighting about race, creed, color, gender, you know, and all this other nonsense, while, while, while we were going to be fighting about this, they were going to be rolling out the AI. I have something for that. I have an article and stuff I'd like to get into with you guys, but you have to understand the sequential and sophisticated nature of what's happening. They can't roll out robots when we, when we all have wealth. We don't need them. They need to roll out the robots to take care of the bare minimum because humans are unable to. They have to roll out the robots to make sure everything stays afloat. The, the same way that whenever humans were told that they were non-essential, we all went on to Zoom. But what happens whenever we really become non-essential and they release the robots? You've got to understand these stuff. But before we do so, let me read you real quick this article uh, that also comes from some Sons of Liberty Media. It's by Michael Snyder. It says, mass exodus out of big cities on both coasts taking place. They put this up August 17th. And what do you think we're going to be talking about? People leaving the coastal cities because they realize that their freedoms are being taken there? I'm not sure. Is it the rising inflation? Is it the mask hysteria? What is it? I'm not sure. Let's read. It says, in all of U.S. history, we have never seen anything like the mass exodus of 2020. Hundreds of thousands of people are leaving the major cities on both coasts in search of a better life. Homelessness, crime, and drug use were already on the rise in many of our large cities prior to 2020, but many big city residents were willing to pull up with a certain amount of chaos or put up with a certain amount of chaos in order to maintain their lifestyles. However, the COVID-19 pandemic and months of civil unrest have finally pushed a lot of people over the edge. Moving companies on both coasts are doing a booming business are doing a booming business as wealthy and middle-class families flee at a blistering pace, and most of those families do not plan to ever return. Los Angeles is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Once upon a time, it attracted wealthy and famous people from all over the globe, but in 2020, it is, quote, a city on the brink. Go watch John Carpenter's Escape from L.A., and then go watch John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Today, Los Angeles is a city on the brink. For sale signs are seemingly dotted on every suburban street as the middle class, particularly those with families, flee from the safer suburbs, with many choosing to leave L.A. altogether. British-born Danny O'Brien runs Watford Moving and Storage, says that there is a mass exodus from Hollywood. Almost half of the entire homeless population of the entire country now live in the state of California, and a large proportion, and a large proportion of them are addicted to drugs. Needless to say, this has created a nightmarish environment. Junkies and the homeless, many of whom are clearly mentally ill, walk the palm-lined streets like zombies, all just three blocks from multi-million dollar homes overlooking the Pacific. Stolen bicycles are piled high, piled high on pavements littered with broken syringes. Could you imagine trying to raise a family in such a community? I certainly couldn't. And the worse economic conditions become, and the worse economic conditions become, the worse the problem gets. Crime is skyrocketing in L.A., and some residents have been shocked to discover strangers actually defecating in their front garden. TV bulletins are filled with horror stories from across the city of women being attacked during their morning jog or residents returning to find strangers defecating in their front gardens. Of course, Los Angeles is definitely not the only major city dealing with such issues. 
So the cities are collapsing. The cities are collapsing. People are defecating on themselves. They're shooting up drugs in the middle of the street, walking around like zombies, acting like junkies in the middle of the day. You imagine trying to take your kid, you know, just to a little mom and pop shop, to a little bakery or something, or to a park, right? Because they got a soccer game or something. And you just see like some homeless dude over there just like shoot up heroin, nodding out. And you're just like, dude, come on now, man. Come on now, man. Come, come on now, man. But you see, this comes back to what we were talking about beforehand at the start of the show, that decadence and how so much freedom, so much largesse is toxic. How we can have things so good that we end up killing ourselves because, well, we don't know anything else. You know, I think about this all the time because, unfortunately, Mac Miller is no longer with us. But I remember listening to one of his songs, man, and he tells you, you better not stay. You better run away from that good life. You better run away from that party because that party, that good life, can sometimes be a trap. You can have so much freedom that it destroys you. You can have so much largesse and so much abundance and wealth that you'll destroy yourself. You see, that's the same way that the Chicago superintendent was saying that the crimes continue to happen because there's no consequences. That's the same way that these people can do these bunch of drugs and do the, and live this lifestyle with no consequence. We, we advocate for it. We promote it. Now here in New Mexico, man, you know, we have such a, a interesting relationship with law enforcement because they don't do their job. People will get locked up and then they'll be out like a couple hours later. There's no, there's no system of justice. There's no real repercussions. It's the same thing with the drugs. It's the same thing with all this. But after prolonged periods of time living like this, not talking about healing or restoration, if anything, uh, paying into the problem, making it worse, where did they think this was going to go? I had Craig Fitzgerald on talking about uh, communism, the, his, the modern Marxism and the subversion of the West. He made an iconic statement saying that we live in the previous generation's decadence, that we live in the previous generation's degeneracy. And here you are. After years of people seeing uh, homeless people shoot up in the streets, people crapping in their garden, right? Uh, zombies asking you for money. And I understand that these people need help. But sometimes we end up enabling this and making the problem worse. I was watching some videos the other day from what was going on over there in Skid Row, and it scares the hell out of me. It's like it was, it was. I'm ranting now, but it was of a video of a guy. Just, he was like underneath a bridge, just filming some boxes, and you see these like rats and these ferrets just like moving throughout the boxes, and you just see like, because because when they move, like there's a little bit of stuff moving up underneath them, so you can tell these are critters, right? But when a human moves, you're just seeing like cardboard boxes shuffle off of him. And I'm thinking, good Lord, there's a man under there. <laughs> there's a man under there with rats and ferrets underneath boxes, underneath the bridge, just have, be, being crawled over. And so I think what I'm really trying to say as I pull back from this is, 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 is we are literally looking at, a, at, at the glorification of, dehumaniz of dehumanizing ourselves of degeneration, of decadence, of regression. This is all the stuff that I talked about last year, and now it's literally coming home to roost. You see, because when we live in a society that produces so much wealth, 
that stuff's okay because we're still we're still moving forward. We'll figure out a place for you. We'll figure out what we can do for you. You shut the country down. Nobody's working. Nobody's producing anything. We're not becoming wealthy. We're not putting money in our pocket. We don't have time to support your habit. We don't have time to entertain this type of behavior. We don't have time to allot the, the, the resources for this. You get me? And that's where we're at right now. So yes, there's going to be a mass exodus on the cities because people do not want to put up with that. They want to look for something different. They want to raise them with values that don't enable this type of decadence. It's a real thing. I can't blame them. <laughs> I don't blame these people. I would not want my child seeing this. You know, I, 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 I'll say this and I'll start getting back into stuff. I think about some of the stuff. I, I, I think about how I was raised as a child and the places I have been and the, and the, and the people that my family brought me around. And I... Sometimes when I talk with my parents, man, I sound like such a crazy, crazy person, but I don't sound crazy. I'm speaking on the times. Whenever one of our followers talked earlier about or last week about killing each other for intimacy, reaching out to the inner child and how a lot of these people wouldn't be acting this way if they had a proper upbringing and they were trying to be successful members of society. This it's a real thing. This is a deep rooted psychological issue. People are not well. They're just not. And so, again, whenever we have a culture that glorifies calling women uh, thoughts and hoes and stuff like this and uh, beating down and, 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 and emasculating men, right, tearing down the individual. And then we have men not wanting to be win men, women not wanting to be women, nobody wanting to work. What do you think this is going to do? You've got to think about this. That's why, this, again, the sophistication behind this is, 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 is immaculate. So I know I definitely went on like a hardcore rant, but again, this is, that's what I'm saying by, by it being an anti-human, anti-God agenda. It's pro-earth, right? They don't need us, but they need the place to operate. You've got to understand this. And because so many people don't, don't have a, because I don't want to, I don't want to paint people with a broad stroke. But I guess I'm just looking at it like sociologically speaking and culturally speaking, looking at the type of stuff that we advocate and the type of stuff that's glorified in today's society uh, and why we're seeing such such planned obsolescence, such planned decadence, such degeneracy. Like, I feel bad when I say gutter trash, scumbag, dirtbags and all these things. But what other behavior is being promoted? We're not seeing uh, being a good we're not we're not seeing wholesome family pictures anymore. You know, we're not seeing black families throw up their kids into the sky. We're not seeing interracial families throw their kids up into the sky. We're not seeing Susan try on, you know, uh, Indian garb. We're not we're not seeing actual authentic integration. We're not seeing any actual and healthy discussions. What we're seeing is hatred. What we're seeing is dehumanization, degeneration, destruction. And when I asked you guys that question earlier this week of what are we uploading to the A.I.? What are we teaching the machines? This is a very real thing. We're being told to hate ourselves because that's what we're uploading. Hate, violence, negativity, pessimism, nihilism. So when I tell you that technology is enabling our self-destruction, you have to be very conscious of what energy you're putting out there. So to begin to switch stuff up to put out somewhat of a good light, to look at this in <laughs> some kind of a good way. 
to switch things up, even though it's still a part of everything else that's going on. The Free Thought Project put out an article talking about Nikola Tesla's wireless energy and how a startup is beginning to develop it. A startup, I'm sure, will be that, that will be bought by Tesla or Microsoft or Bezos or any of these other companies that have the money right now. You get what I'm saying? The important thing behind this to note when looking at this type of stuff being introduced into society is look at what the cell phone has done. Look at what, look at how we're worried about 5G. You imagine what happens whenever they're actually able to implement wireless technology. But here, I, I digress. Let me get into this. Uh, this comes from Matt Akeris. They put this up August 14th. It comes from the Free Thought Project. It says, after Nikola Tesla proved wireless electricity was possible, a startup finally made it a reality. It said Nikola Tesla is not the subject of an American of American social studies and science classes. American children do not learn about him in school, and this is in spite of the fact that he is considered one of the most influential scientists ever. His visions was motivated by altruism and providing a benefit to all of humanity. Wow, what a crazy thought. Not just the ones who can afford it. One of the ways Tesla envisioned help in the world was providing it with extremely low cost or even free electricity but with the cost of wires running across continents, this was a futile task. So Tesla thought outside of the box, getting the wires out of the picture entirely. Now, his vision is finally coming into fruition. In 1901, Tesla began working on a large high-voltage wireless, tra- wireless energy transmission station called the Wardenclyffe Tower, which was a wireless prototype transmitter for a worldwide or world wireless system that was to broadcast both information and power worldwide. Over a century ago, Tesla even demonstrated that this technology worked to investors, but they pulled out and the facility was never completed. Establishment science then told the world that his inventions would never work, but they were wrong. Fast forward to 2020, and a startup company named Mrod says it has figured it out. As Popular Mechanics in a statement, as, as Popular Mechanics reports in a statement, Mrod, Mrod founder Greg Kushner, he was motivated by New Zealand's particular set of skills, a a la Liam Neeson in Taken. Quote, we have an abundance of clean hydro, solar, and wind energy available around the world, but there are costly challenges that come with delivering that energy using traditional methods. For example, offshore wind farms or, or the Cook Strait here in New Zealand requiring underwater cables, which are expensive to install and maintain. By requiring the, by removing the requirement for electric, electricity to travel through wire, Emrod can fulfill Tesla's desire to bring energy to those who cannot afford the infrastructure or those who live in difficult terrain. There are also environmental benefits to the technology as many places use diesel generators or other fossil fuels to relay electricity from place to place. Emrod's technology will remove the needs for these stations. Quote, energy is transmitted through electromagnetic waves over long distances using Emrod's proprietary beam-shaping metamaterial and rectina technology, Mrod explains. It is safer, too. Mrod uses the beams in the ISM, the Industrial Scientific and Medical Band, uh, with frequencies commonly used in in Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and RFID. Point-to-point transmission means that the power is beamed directly between two points. There is no radiation around the beam, and there is with high-voltage wire transmission. Low-power laser safety curtain ensures that the Transmission beam immediately shuts down before any transient object, such as a bird or a helicopter, can reach the main beam, ensuring it can never touch anything except clean air. 
And as PM notes, technology like this would simply would seem impossible because of issues like the loss of signal fidelity over the transmission through the air, then through the series of mediating technologies. But in Rod's relay technology, which it says refocuses the beam, does, doesn't use any power and loses almost none. So basically what they're saying is they have begun to convert our systems into wireless, into free energy. They're going to sell you free energy. <laughs> Long-time listeners have heard me talk about that for quite some time. They're going to sell you free energy, but they're also going to upgrade our infrastructure. Very, very interesting. I feel like it, 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 it's really cool, no doubt, but very, very interesting to see. Very, very interesting. Uh, and so to move on from the kind of technocratic uh, aspect of stuff, but also looking at this, I want to bring up one more article, and then I'll start closing this stuff out for you guys. Outside of Fedbook being sued, I, I know nobody's going to talk about that. But this is in, in, in relation to what I was talking about, uh, with the building of the matrix and the technocratic society, you know, and how they want us to belittle and dehumanize ourselves so that we willingly go into the matrix. Check this out. AI is writing a play about the birth of robotics and human writers should be worried. This is written by Jake Anderson over there at the Minds Unleashed. They put this up August 13th. And remember a couple years ago, there was an article that came out about how AI is beginning to communicate in its own language and even the very developers of the AI can't even interpret it. This is kind of along the same lines. This is whatever they're exploring artistic, uh, art artistic expressions of information and being able to pick up where things left off. You see, what happens is we're create, I don't want to say we're creating our downfall or we're creating our jailers, but we have to look at what's being created alongside us and what we're, what we're, what, what information we're giving it to digest. Let me read this and I'll continue on. It says, Algorithmic artificial intelligence has been used for years to generate artwork, everything from stories to punk rock albums and classical music. But a new theatrical play may take the cake as for creative pursuits by machine intelligence. A team of researchers at the Charles University Svanda Theater and the Academy of Performing Arts in Prague is merging the fields of AI and robotics with theater using the open source language model called GPT-2. This generative language model can process pre-existing text and then expand off of it. The researchers say that their AI is writing a theatrical play that will premiere January 2021. Going on to say that Rudolf Rosa, who is part of the team conducting the study underlying the project, says the subject of the play's story is very much on the nose. Quote, the main idea behind our study came from Tomas Studenik, a innovator who noticed that the 100-year anniversary of the theater play RUR is approaching. This was a key moment for robotics and the idea of a robot, including the word robot itself, was invented by Carol, Carol Kapkek, Kapek uh, and his brother, Josef, who wrote this play. Tomas thought that this should be properly celebrated and came up with the idea of turning, turning the story around. A hundred years ago, a man wrote a theater play about robots. What if today, robots wrote a theater play about men? Tasking an AI with the creation of an entire play that is both coherent and consistent, not to mention entertaining, is no small feat. 
To accomplish this, the researcher's team uses hierarchical generation, which involves breaking the play manuscript down into smaller sections. Quote, when we fed the GPT-2 a scene setting and a few lines of the drama script, it generated further lines in the same style and focusing on the topic of the input script chunk. Rosa further detailed, quote, this way, we did not have to train anything as we restricted the generator a bit to keep the task and not diverge elsewhere. We can thus make use of the great large GPT-2 model trained for a large for a very long time on a very large text, which we could not afford ourselves to train on our hardware, as only the largest tech companies can train such models nowadays. It says that the team is also using techniques known as flat text generation, whereby a deep learning machine algorithm writes lines one by one. The scary thing is that while Rosa discusses how amazing GPT-2 is, as an algorithmic text generator, this is not even the most advanced iteration out there. Recently, GPT-3 has hit the market and is blowing people away with its jaw-dropping ability to rapidly generate creative texts, highly competitive, or highly complex fictional scenarios, and rich, detailed stories. Nick Walton, the creator of the game AI Dungeon, used GPT-3 last year to upgrade his game. In its plot, the algorithm invented a mythical grimoire and is able to seamlessly read story sections from it. The game invents a complex magic system and the and an underlying theory behind why it works and describes it. You imagine that? You imagine AI magic? Like, I know that's kind of crazy, but again, techno sorcery, we cover it over here. Can you imagine AI coming up like with a purpose as to why it has to do its own form of magic or has to do its own form of like invocations and strange stuff like this? Like, we're literally talking about creating not a sentient being or a new form of life but something that has what we could what we would consider in this realm sentience and consciousness i feel like that's crazy fascinating it says most ai researchers believe we are entering an era where there will be fascinating co collaborations between humans and ai rosick calls it the human in the loop concept but explains that they're being transparent about the quote basically all computer computer generated art if we want to call it so is touched and retouched by humans in some way, but often this is very this is not very transparent. In our work, we are trying to be very explicit on what the machine does and what a human does, making their cooperation an integral part of the system design, not a post hoc fix. In the future, the team would like to explain the project so that the robots themselves are acting out the play and no human supervision is needed. This doesn't sound as nuts now that we know a blockbuster movie production will soon shoot the first mainstream film featuring an artificially intelligent robot as its lead actor. The future <laughs> is going to be wild. The future is about to be lit. <laughs> just, I don't even know what to say to some of this. Um, I truly don't. All I know is I see a, I see, I see the world that we used to know being chastised and being shunned and being put down and the world that they're offering into us as if it's this great and wonderful thing where we're obsolete and machines carry the wonder and the mystery now and how we're basically uh, uh, incapable of recognizing that. Uh, but to close this article out, maybe we'll get more info, but to close this episode out and this segment out, maybe we'll get more information. Uh, speaking of robots doing strange things, Fedbook, Mark Zuckerberg, and three of Fedbook's fact-checkers are being sued for censorship. This is written by Waking Times. 
they put this up August 18th. It's originally from the Children's Health Defense Team. And it says that the Children's Health Defense filed a lawsuit on Monday in San Francisco federal court charging Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, and three fact-checking outfits with censoring truthful public health posts and for fraudulently misinterpreting and defaming CHD, uh, the, 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 the Children's Health Defense Team. CHD is a nonprofit watch group that roots out all corruption in federal agencies, including the CDC, the World Health Organization, the FCC, and exposes wrongdoings in the pharmaceutical industries. CHD has been a frequent critic of 5G, Wi-Fi, network security, and of certain vaccine policies that CHD claims puts big pharma profits ahead of public health. CHD has fiercely criticized corruption, agency corruption at the World Health Organization, the CDC, and the FCC. According to the CHD's complaint, Facebook has insidious conflicts with the pharmaceutical industry and its, com- and its captive health agencies and has economic stakes in the telecom and 5G. Fedbook currently censors CHD's posts, targeting its purge against factual information about vaccines, 5G, and public health agencies. Fedbook acknowledges that it coordinates its censorship program or campaign with, this, with the World Health Organization and the CDC. While earlier courts' decisions have, 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 have upheld Facebook's right to censor its pages, CHD argues that, Fed, that Fedbook's pervasive government collaboration makes its censorship of CHD a First Amendment violation. The government's role in Fedbook's censorship goes deeper than, it, than its close coordination with the CDC and the World Health Organization. The Facebook censorship began at the suggestion of powerful Democratic congressmen and Intelligence Committee Chairman Representative Adam Schiff, who in March of 2019 asked Fedbook to suppress and purge Internet content critical of government vaccine policies. Fedbook and Schiff used the term misinformation as a euphemism for any statement. Whether truthful or not, that contradicts official government pronouncements. The World Health Organization issued a press release com- commending Fedbook and coordinating its ongoing censorship campaign uh, with public health officials. That same day, Fedbook published a, quote, warning level on the CHD's page, which implies that the CHD's content is inaccurate and directs the CHD followers to turn to the CDC for reliable and up-to-date information. This is an important First Amendment case that tests the boundaries of government authority to openly censor unwanted critique of the government. So that happened Monday, and you probably heard nothing of it throughout the entire week. Hopefully we'll hear more about it next week. Could it be Joe Biden stumbling through his sentences or Kamala Harris or COVID? number of things are keeping inf- important information out of the news. The same way that you had uh, Sundar Pichai and Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos uh, and Tim Cook all testifying before Congress, but you don't hear a word of it. You don't hear a word of it. And as all this chaos is going, going on with this election nonsense, Hillary Clinton has to testify in September. You don't hear a word of it. Fedbook being sued for but Fedbook and Mark Zuckerberg being sued, you don't hear a word of it because our technocratic overlords don't want that to be so. You see how that works? You see how they're dividing the wealth? You see how all we have is the truth. They say, "Oh, we're all in this together." No, we're not. Like 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 the Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison said, he said, oh, I'm a big proponent of vaccines. Yeah, me and my whole family, we're all going to get them. It's like, yes, because you get the clean ones. Yes, because you get the clean vaccines. We're aware that there are different ones. I mean, even, even, even 
this week, Pope Francis said, hey, we shouldn't let wealth be one of the dividing factors to why people can't get vaccines, get the COVID-19 vaccine. As I told you before, they want the vaccine to be free because the treatments for years afterwards will not be. It's not going to kill you over. It's not going to kill you right off off the bat. It's going to kill you over time. You've got to understand the sophisticated nature of this stuff and how they want to manufacture your dependence upon a system designed to rob you of your rights. So, yes, all we can do is fight. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Unrest or Else. COVID report and dividing the wealth. However, ladies and gentlemen, that's how I really have for you guys and gals. I know. The episode was a little bit choppy and we were a little bit all over the place with the information, but it's to, you know, try to make it sound as relatable and concise as possible. I know that's like paradoxical, but that's definitely the approach. (laughs) There's a lot of different things happening as they reshape society around us. I think we all just have to ask that question of, are we ready for what's on the other side? I'm not sure, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not sure. Uh, but speaking on the other side, I'll catch you guys on it. If you guys want to check out the minicast we did earlier this week, The Anti-Human Mind, you can find that in the description bar below, as well as the infamous Shadowgate documentary. I put that on our feed so it can get out there. Because like I said, we're all we have, and we got to look out for each other. Uh, but however, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I really have. If you guys have any questions, feel free to email me. I'll have it in the description bar below. And as always, guys and gals, stay vigilant, expose lies, and share truth. This is Noise Era, Freedom Faction, out.